Those who know the incredible work of Mary Rodwell have heard her speak on numerous occasions about the amazing revelations that come through when she works with her clients in regression, many of whom learn that they have had a link to non-human intelligence. But not many have heard her speak along with one of those clients. Well, I recently had occasion to watch a regression of Mary's in its entirety, that of a woman named Kim a dynamic individual in her own right, and one who, during her regression, learned that she's had a connection to non-human intelligence for perhaps multiple lifetimes. I was compelled to connect with Kim to hear her thoughts, along with Mary's, on this revelational regression experience. And happily, they both accepted. What you are about to hear will no doubt cause you to think twice, not only about the idea that we share this universe with perhaps many beings, but how the multidimensional nature of reality is completely intertwined with our own. You know, it's not often that I will have a guest on Conscious Inquiry Radio within a short span of time. Although many of my guests who have all brought such important information to the show are certainly invited back to share new insights, I still like to space it out a bit. But I have to tell you, Mary Rodwell, after all of the wonderful comments and feedback that I have received about having you on my program just this past January, I couldn't resist the temptation to dial you up again and have you on. I just couldn't wait. And I think our audience will be extremely pleased to hear you've joined us once again. But you know, this time I thought we'd take a slightly different approach. Now, uh, the first time I had you on, we discussed the case of a woman whom I know personally that had a regression which revealed a possible non-human connection, and that was obviously a great discussion. But this time, I wanted to talk again about uh, this human-slash-non-human connection revealed through a regression experience, uh, but have the actual individual join us to explain in her own words what this was like. And so it's my pleasure to welcome both you, Mary, and Kim Calkins, the subject of what I would call an amazing and touching story that is still unfolding to this day. So welcome to you both. It's an absolute pleasure. Great. Great to have you both on. Well, this is a full discussion, um, and I'd like to get uh, some insight and some background for both of you. But Kim, let's start with you. Okay. Please, if you if you would give us a little background on what brought you to Mary Rodwell for your regression for the audience, so you know, uh, Mary Rodwell was the one to do the regression for Kim. But what brought you to this experience? I know you had mentioned you've had a lifetime of, of what you've described as high strangeness experiences that ultimately led led you down this path. So, what got you to Mary? Well, you know, I've, I've, from a young age, I was talking and seeing dead people and, and seeing, seeing and hearing things that other people couldn't see and hear. Um, and I was fairly open about that. Um, I shut it down for a long time just because my mother couldn't really handle it. Hmm. Uh, but then I resumed uh, this exploration and the uh, really affirmation of these experiences uh, when I got to be about 40. And, um, but that said, I always, I've had some, uh, other experiences that didn't fit into that, um, uh, kind of spiritual box, you mm-hmm. know, that I felt like I was experiencing these, um, really beautiful, um, uh, and touching experiences, but there were some other experiences that I had remembered that just didn't fit in that box, and they had to do with ETs. 
Um, and I always shunned away from um, expressing those or sharing those experiences with anyone because it was so touchy. It just didn't seem, if you're talking about angels, people are, oh, wow. Right. But if you talk about ETs, people go, oh, my gosh, you know. So, uh, I, but there were some things that had happened uh, to me in, uh, in my past and in some present uh, circumstances that I just didn't have answers for. And um, after my husband died, I didn't have anybody to bounce these things off of. So I thought maybe I should explore this a little bit more. So I started Googling, um, you know, past life regression ETs. And Barbara Lamb and Mary Rodwell's names came up over and over again. But when I saw Mary's picture, I knew she was the girl for me. But I really didn't think that um, she would be available because she's just gotten so darn famous. <laughs> so I, I, I thought, well, I've got a couple girlfriends in Sedona, Arizona. I bet there's a regressionist on every street corner there. So I Googled, Mary, I, I Googled um, past life regression, ETs, Sedona, Arizona. And the weirdest thing happened. The only person that showed up in the Google results with those search terms, uh, hypnosis, regression, ETs, Sedona, Arizona, the only results that showed up were, were Mary Rodwell's results. <laughs> wow. wow. And so I thought, well, whether or not she can make time for me, I don't know, but I've got to at least give it a shot. So I emailed her. And uh, Mary very graciously emailed me back, and I was I was astounded. And then we we finally talked, and we made an appointment, and she was willing to do a session with me, and I was just out I was just over the moon um, about this. So, and it was just an incredible experience. And Mary is a treasure. I agreed wholeheartedly, and I I can also say it was an incredible experience, even from it, uh, viewing it from from that standpoint. I, I have had the occasion to watch this regression in its entirety. Of course, we're going to get into that more, uh, but thank you for sharing that with us, Kim. Well, Mary, you've been at this work for over two decades now, and I'm sure you've come close to probably perfecting a process that you use to put your clients. Uh, in an altered and yet a conscious state, right, uh, in order to gain mm. access to this deeper part of their awareness. If you don't mind, could you explain a little bit about how this process works? Well, what it really is, is, you know, somebody needs to just feel trust enough to explore another part of their human experience from that deeper level. And the subconscious, and I call it stroke, superconscious is what we're accessing. We want to shut down the left brain, the conscious mind, sufficiently to see what's recorded on the subconscious tape, which doesn't edit an experience. It doesn't say that's not okay. It'll actually go and record whatever it is we've uh, experienced, whether in a conscious state or a non-conscious state. So really, if I can encourage someone to feel safe enough to trust and, and let go of their conscious mind sufficiently, mm -hmm. then we can see what the recording says. And the recording is one where you don't think, for, think first before you speak. You actually speak before mm -hmm. you think. So as the question I'm asking comes up, then I'm talking to the subconscious to say, now what does this mean to you? Mm -hmm. and, and 
you know, it, it's, it really is about a, a trust process. It's also about intent, that you're coming from um, an intent of wanting to discover something from that deeper person. And, and it really is, um, for me, it's an amazing process because it won't, you know, it isn't like the left brain says that's not okay or you can't go there. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't real. It doesn't say any of those messages. It just reveals whatever it needs to reveal. And my beginning of that process is to make sure that I know what that individual wants to find out. Mm-hmm. What is it they're seeking to understand? So I'm, I'm you know, assisting them to find those deeper, uh, uh, to find answers to those deeper questions. So everything is around what they want to discover, they want to understand. It's not my, me saying, I need to find this out about you. It's about them finding out more about themselves, which they may try to do via, you know, relaxation or, uh, or meditation. But often it's very hard to keep on track when you go in an altered state on your own. So my job is to keep uh, somebody on track on that yellow brick road till Mm -hmm. they get the answers that they need. Mm -hmm. And I know you've actually used the term staying on that yellow brick road. Uh, Well, this is fascinating to me as I'm listening to this because, you know, and although I don't know too much certainly from a scientific perspective on the levels of the brain, brain states that we typically go through at, at some point in our, in our uh, lives, that being the alpha, and then I believe there's sort of a deep alpha, then a theta, and then of course, the deepest being delta. Where would you say the majority of your clients are, Mary? Uh, I mean, we know that alpha, the alpha state is typically mm. one that we can even go into while watching TV, and that's a whole other yeah. subject. But what would you say, particularly with the case of Kim, because, you know, I watched this, and I watched it seemed like there was definitely a conscious, uh, a consciousness there, but I could also see that she was in an altered state. So what would you think that would be? Um, well, it really depends. The individual, uh, there's only about 20% of people that go into a somnambulistic state. And, and so most of the time, my clients will not go that deep unless they've meditated for years and years. Mm. And they may go to a place where they really don't remember anything of the session whatsoever. Mm. It, it, so it, it really is often the individual in terms of how they've got used to being in a particular trance state, how much they trust you, um, how many times you've maybe worked with them will depend on the level of depth of uh, where they're actually um, going in terms of their, their state of trance. Mm-hmm. For me, um, it actually doesn't necessarily make any difference mm-hmm. because as long as they're in an altered state and they're receptive and they're trusting, often you'll be surprised at what you can access, um, even in a very light trance. So, you know, the first time it may be they'll be in a lighter trance simply because they don't know the process. But if they are have worked on their spiritual selves and have done a lot of relaxation or they're an intuitive as Kim is, then mm-hmm. often they will go into exactly the right, well, I'll call it a frequency because I, I think it's, it's about being in that frequency where they then can access their subconscious superconscious because I believe that's all intertwined, mm-hmm. um, that they access that other more multidimensional aspect of themselves that is pulling in the information that they require. Interesting. Well, let me, let me pose this to Kim. Where do you feel, uh, if you can describe it, where do you feel you were in terms of a frequency, we'll call it, um, being that you're well, somewhat, yeah. I revisited the, uh, the video of my session last night because I, I just wanted to refresh my memory. And uh, I'm glad I did. And, and at one point, I, I did 
talk about my my feet and legs are really talking to me now. I think is what I said on the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I I when I am vibrating at a different frequency, uh, the first place I feel it typically is up through the bottoms of my feet, mm-hmm. and so um, that's just sort of a sign for me that uh, something's happening or that maybe I'm maybe more open or something. I really don't know. Um, but um, as far as the session goes, I don't, I, I, I can't, I don't know too much about the different levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very relaxed and I can say too that when Mary took me to each one of those places um, in my life where I had questions, uh, I was there. I mean, mm-hmm. I was there. And the first, the first um, experience that I had in the session was when I was six. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that. I, yeah, yeah. I have no conscious memory of that, but I'm telling you, I was there. Wow. And uh, I, I think I talked to you yesterday just a little bit about this, was that um, it, it seems as though I've always had that memory now, that I've remembered it in this regression. It seems like that memory was always with me. So the memory, the memory triggered the met or the the recall triggered the fact that you did have a memory about it. Is yeah, it, yeah, that's how it seems like now. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, this I think this is a good time to just get into the meat of it. Let's get a bit into the regression. Um, which, by the way, for our audience, Kim has been kind enough to allow me to repost in its entirety on the Higher Journeys YouTube channel, so you can listen to it right there, and we'll have a link posted for that uh, right below this episode. But Kim, you know, if you could give us a thumbnail of what this was experience, uh, what this experience was like. We're starting to get into this already. In fact, let's let's just jump into that first scene of you being. Uh, I believe you said you were six years old. Yes. Was here's a question I have for you. What was this memory or this recall that triggered a memory of you being six years old in this life or a previous life? Do you know what I mean? In other yeah. words, you're, you're six years old as Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the, I'll tell you something curious about that. Um, when Mary had me look down, uh, I looked down and she asked me where I was standing, and I was standing in green grass. Um, and then I saw these little brown shoes on me. I don't know that I ever had a pair of brown shoes when I was little. My mother always had me in either black patent leather shoes <laughs> or something else, but I don't really remember having little brown shoes like what I saw. Um, so I, I really don't know. Uh, honestly, huh. I, I don't know whether it was this lifetime or another lifetime. Okay. I didn't recognize. Now, I saw this shed in front of me or something that looked like a shed. I struggled between calling it a barn or a shed. Um, but Mary and I talked afterward, Mary and I, after we talked, neither one of us was sure that that was really a shed. Uh, we were waiting for the door to open and, uh, to the shed. So it may have been something else altogether. Mm -hmm. Well, you've also mentioned that there were several things, several, um, 
not just things, but beings in this scene, if you will, that like a little dog that may or may not have been a dog. So as I watched, it seemed like you were sort of reaching for or struggling to see what in fact it was. So maybe talk, you know what, for our audience, so they're, they're not like, what, what are they talking about? And again, you'll get a chance to see it in its entirety if you haven't already. But maybe you could give us just a little, if you can, even just the beginning of what was going on? You're six years old. There was a shed in front of you, and you had what beside you and a little dog. Tell us about that. Well, at, at first, I'm, I'm six years old. I'm in a little blue plaid dress. I have these brown shoes on uh, with socks. I'm standing in grass. There's a sh- what looks like a shed in front of me. And at first, I didn't notice or I didn't have an awareness that anyone was with me. But then as... Um, as the session went on uh, for a minute or so, then suddenly there are these two beings beside me. And I was able to look at them. I knew the, per- the one to my right. They were long and thin. Um, their heads were long. Uh, they, were, they didn't have any clothes on. Uh, but they were, I struggled too with describing the color. I said brown, gold, yellow, brown, gold, yellow. Uh, they seemed to be illuminated in some way from within. Um, I actually painted this and I promised Mary I would send this to her, but it's such a bad painting. I, I was embarrassed <laughs> to send it to her. But then there was this little, what I called a dog, and I struggled with this because it didn't really look like a dog, and it was very fleeting. It was in front of me at one moment. Uh, one moment it was further away from me. It got closer, and then suddenly it's gone. And I, you know, Mary asked me where it was, and I felt like it, I felt like it was behind me. And it really looked more like a seal, and I struggled so hard to describe what this little being was, um, I called it a dog. It honestly didn't look anything like a dog. It looked more like a seal with uh, four legs. And it did um, it did sort of prance. It kind of pranced around. Um, and it had big eyes and very slick uh, skin or possibly fur. Uh, it wasn't furry, but it was, it, it almost looked wet. Like mm-hmm. a seal look. Mm-hmm. So, and I struggled with that image because I couldn't identify it, and uh, so I struggled in identifying what that was. Really, right? I could, you could see that. You could see that the, you mm-hmm. were again reaching to try to. It's you say you were there, and yet um, there was obviously. I don't know whether there was a haziness or a tentativeness about it. And you know, uh, Mary. I recall you making, you, you kept pushing that point. I remember that part. Where you said, Are you sure it's a dog? Could it be something else? And I think you had made reference that you got the sense that it was not. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, the very, uh, I mean, it's a very interesting one, and it's something I'm always looking for when someone has extraterrestrial experiences, is that often they will initially see something that appears more normal, because they, they want to see something more normal, and it's called a screen memory. Mm. And the, the screen, I think, that these beings often will use your, the, the person's consciousness to create something more normal so they don't get scared. In other words, and what was interesting was the anomalousness of a dog being there. If she was having an experience where she was um, interacting with these beings, a dog is, is you know, um, just not 
quite normal in the way that she described it. And that's why I pushed it, because I had a feeling that this was another screen. This was a screen mm. for another being. And what was interesting was she, she was saying it wasn't acting normally. And it, was, it, it had big eyes, which is a giveaway. Yeah. And she also mentions, you know, the skin not looking, looking wet. Well, a lot of the little gray beings, their skin, um, those that have had been touched by these beings, it's like dolphin skin. So I was aware of all of this. And this was what I was trying to do was find out, was this in fact a dog or was this a screen memory for one of these beings that she hadn't quite worked out yet? And if you push someone a little bit, then you can get them to see more clearly exactly what it, it is. In, you know, um, it's anything anomalous in a scene that is, um, can be a screen memory. And once you work in this field, you get to know um, how that can present. You know, somebody can see something they think is a helicopter when, in fact, it's a craft. Mm. But they'll say, oh, yeah. it's a helicopter. Oh, no, it isn't. It's a train. Oh, no, it's a... And then I'll say, now look again. And when they finally allow themselves to really see it, they will then see really what it is and that goes for beings as well yeah so what you know i say do you sense any anyone uh, anything around you and that will often lead them to sensing the right. fact that they're accompanied or whatever so it's just getting to know how to lead someone into understanding what's actually going on yeah i think that's an interesting dynamic because as, a, as you're describing this mary i'm wondering you know if there is such a thing as a screen memory or some sort of a screen or um mask let's just say that presents itself you wonder is it the experiencer that's doing this as a sort of protective mechanism for what they don't really want to see or is it the beings themselves protecting their own identity or could it be a little bit of both it could be all of that mm. um you know uh, the, you know those that um, are afraid of clowns santa claus yeah. or owls with big eyes are all screens for the beings now whether or not the beings are utilizing your own um consciousness to do this or whether you're doing it to protect yourself or whether it's a bit of both i don't actually know for sure but there's no doubt that the fear of clowns or the fear of owls or the fear of um you know santa claus comes from a screen and this experience often is not yeah you know you and i talked about that when we last spoke mary uh, about the fear of clowns and drawing a correlation between the fear of clowns and perhaps their being <clears throat> not what we think they are. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, I, you know, I re that really sat with me for quite some time. And I know several people, all adults, who are mortified of clowns. And that always perplexed me because I've never been. So that, that uh, definitely makes sense as much as something like this can. So thank you for that. Well, you know, as I've, I've learned of individuals who've gone in for past life regressions, probably not expecting to discover this non-human connection as uh, it seems Kim has. Um, but I find it interesting that there seems to be this sort of blurring of past incarnation with present day. In other words, I'll see if I can make myself clear. Are we addressing the individual, uh, the experiencer, as having lived a previous life in this non-human form, but has still this alien aspect uh, remained in some way, in some respect, in this current life? Do, do you know what I'm saying? I, I, in other words, so we're, we're seeing a revelation. We're assuming, <clears throat> just like when we were speaking of, uh, of Kim uh, in her six-year-old state, still not really sure whether it was six years old as Kim or six years old in another life. But either way, there is this blurring, it seems, because it, it's not that, okay, my previous life, I was an alien or connected to this family, but this time I'm just purely human. There's a blurring, it seems, that seem, that, that's coming out. Don't you agree? 
<clears throat> I, th I think f um, some of the time that can happen, but most of the time the difference between their present life and other lives will, will come become quite clear. Mm. Um, I've, I've had individuals that have found they've had extraterrestrial encounters in other lifetimes, and that has been quite fascinating. When they've least expected it, they've not known they've had any in this life, but when they wanted to just do a past life regression, they have discovered they've had some interaction in another life, in medieval times, for example, or in some other scenario, or on other planets. Hmm. Well, maybe the, the proper word to use, it, rather than blurring, is bleed through a bleed through of recollection, but but it also seems as, you know, you and I talked about, this is the interesting thing, the woman that I, I didn't regress, I call it the regression once removed that uh, Mary, you and I first talked about, we called her Kimberly, talk about a synchronicity, Kim and Kimberly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she, as well as someone else that I, I recently interviewed, also talk about the, the um, possible connection that they have currently even if it's seeing craft or having contact experiences in this life, along with previous existences as uh, perhaps a non-human entity. So that, you know, that's really what I was just curious to, to see if you've picked up on. So, um, Well, I, I can say this about my session. I had a, well, I had an unshakable sense that the beings that were presenting themselves to me and who I finally, thanks to Mary, uh, was able to identify, um, those beings have been with me from my origin, hmm. not from my birth hmm. in this lifetime, but from my origin. And there was a sense of, oh my goodness, timelessness hmm. and time before time uh, during this session with these beings flicker beings and the, oh, the beings that were, um, oh, I, I don't know what I called them. Uh, they, they were the, oh, I, I can't remember now. They, I, just, I just kept, they looked like sheaths of, of light, and they were all connected. This came up with the pregnancy, the strange pregnancy yeah, that I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, the, these light <clears throat> beings have been with me forever and they and my my understanding was they will always be with me forevermore so there is the sense of having lived in probably not only many lifetimes on this earth but many in many forms and and on and on and on uh, from the origin that's a long time <laughs> yeah you know if there even is such a thing they say yeah. that there isn't really yeah. The, the alpha and the omega really don't don't exist. It's just constant. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. a very good point. I think that's relevant to what we're talking mm -hmm. about here. Well, you know, <clears throat> there's so many different points. And by the way, audience, this this regression was what about two hours, I believe, right? Yeah, it was over two hours. Over two, two hours. hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I urge everyone, please uh, treat yourself and, and uh, watch this in its entirety. Um, you know, take your time and really listen because it's, it's an emotional experience. I, I think you'll go along with uh, Kim as she's having this, and it's fascinating to watch the process. But you know, we can't go into all the elements here. Um, and as much as I'd love to do that, we, we just won't have the time. So I guess what I would ask first you, Kim, and then Mary, you can chime in. Or what, what were some of the really key points that you might take from this experience of Kim and moreover what we what we could all learn from these revelations that she had? Well, I think the key point for me is 
that I'm never alone and uh, that there are a multitude of beings, endless beings, that, um, that take care of Kim Hawkins <laughs> and mm-hmm. that I'm never alone. And it just brings me to my knees to really internalize that uh, because, you know, I, I grew up in a time and a place and in a household that did not uh, embrace the kinds of things that I was experiencing, so I had to shut it down. And that made me really, really lonely. So, um, I don't know, I've come out of the box now. I mean, I'm 63 years old, so what the heck. <laughs> um, you know, but um, I, that's the key thing, is that I am never alone. And here's another key point. Even when things don't seem okay, all is good. Say that one more time. Even when things aren't okay, they are always... Even when things seem like they're not okay, uh-huh. all is good. All is good. All it's is all good. good. Yeah. You told me a story offline yesterday that I was that was so touching to me. I don't know if you want to get into it now, but uh, really, you know, sort of going through that point of feeling isolated and alone uh, in your younger years, and I, you, you had said that you had sort of screamed out. And I think a lot of us have done this, especially those of us that have been that seem a bit different interests are a bit different and it's not being supported where you simply cry out and scream out and say what is this all about what do you want whatever you might say and you heard what back you said you heard a voice what did it say well I was screaming in the car because I was going through this period I didn't know where this was coming from but I would get so sad just desperately sad when I left my house and I'd get in the car I'd have to drive uh, to the grocery store a few miles away, and I get to the three-mile mark, and I am just bawling my eyes out. And I started screaming to God. And I, I, I said, I can't live like this. I can't, just, I can't even go out of my house, but I don't just crumble and fall apart with this unbelievable sadness. Mm. And he said, it's love. It's love. I just make it feel like sadness to get your attention. Wow, that's powerful. Yes, it is, and it changed my life. Um, you know, my husband passed away last November. When mm-hmm. I get real sad and down, and I have terrible, weepy days, believe me, mm-hmm. um, I just remember that, and I, I remember this is the love I had for him. That's how this. That's why these tears flow, mm-hmm. because of the love that I have in my heart for him, and for everything, my chickens, my dog, my niece, you know, my family. Mm-hmm. I have an abundance. Uh, and it's big. It's a big love. <laughs> yeah, it's a big love. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, um, I'm just pausing for a minute, because I think we all need to take this, and we we hear this <clears throat> so often, almost to the point where some might call it cliche, although I don't think we can hear it enough, and that is, it is all about love. But the way the message came to you is that... Yeah, you know, the, the, I can't quote it. You just said it a moment ago that it's love, you know, and it's almost like I have to show you through the pain what love is. That's how you mm-hmm. really understand what the love is. We've heard different variations of that, but I, I think, and, 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 you know, the other thing is in the regression, of course, you, you bring that up so often that you've mm-hmm. just felt this immense sense of love from these beings that you have been with eternally, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mary, why don't you chime in a little bit here? <laughs> I know it's really early there in Australia, but we're going to wake you up. So let's let's hear your thoughts on some of what Kim has to say. 
Well, I love hearing Kim and how she expresses because really this was her experience. What I believe happens when you work in this way with an individual, both of you are working together to get an understanding of why we're here, what it's all about, the mystery. And for Kim, it was all these questions she'd had all her life. And, you know, it was, how can I get some understanding so I can make sense of it, so I can get on with life, you know? Okay. She'd lost, uh, uh, lost her, you know, her soulmate, this beautiful man that, you know, was no longer with her. She was, she'd had these, all these anomalies during her life where she didn't fully understand what it meant. Past life recall that she was trying to understand. So there was in this matrix, and, and given her, you know, I call our, our lovely, you know, um, time of life where we, we're seeking to get some sense of our lives when we reach this point in our lives. All of us are the same. We're, we're seeking to understand what is it all about. And it's not about getting, you know, two cars and a big house and whatever. It's about making meaning or, or having meaning to our lives. So the, if you like, the intent of that was all of that in the mix. And so when I work with someone, the intent is what is it that you are, you are hoping to understand? And you're actually talking not only to your subconscious, I believe, but your superconscious, mm. that higher part of you. And you're saying, I want answers. Please help me. Maybe the questions aren't quite right. But whatever it is, this is what I'm seeking. And that was the intent. And that intent brought me to work with her because obviously for whatever reason, that was the mix that you know, the matrix um, or her aspect of herself needed to achieve. So I believe there's a very spiritual component to everyone I work with, that there is an understanding between souls that we are working together mm -hmm. if you want to take it to that level. Yeah. So I'm acting, at, I'm part of that process because of whatever frequency or intent or whatever it is the way that you work. What was wonderful and always is the most amazing thing, working with someone and, and someone as aware as Kim is, this is, this is always a blessing because I know we can go wherever she needs to go because she's prepared to go anywhere she needs to go. So there are no boundaries. There's not, you know, timelines. There's nothing about whether or not it's dimensional. You know, I'm, this isn't intellectualized. It's the subconscious, superconscious saying, this is where I need to take you to find the answer to this. Wow. So it, it took her really not only into her understanding that she works with non-physical intelligences, um, depending on how you want to interpret them, you know, light beings, angels, just whatever your belief system is doesn't matter. There's still um, these beautiful beings that she's connected to from her origins. She got confirmation. She, she reconnected to that part of herself that is the multi dimensional part of herself. She also realized that, she, you know, this beautiful soul that she'd been living with physically was not gone. Mm -hmm. She felt him again because she was ready uh, to embrace that understanding again. Mm -hmm. So she was able to connect to that. She was able to connect to her understanding of those lives that she'd previously suspected when she was in Mexico, for example, and got mm -hmm. confirmation that this was, t this was a reality for her that was really important because it was part of her mystery, part of the not knowing that she wanted to understand. So because she was so open and so prepared and so ready, she was able to get and, you know, understand all those 
mysteries that had gone on through her life. Mm -hmm. And for me, the package was there. Mm -hmm. It was everything that she'd sought to understand. And it made sense. And it resonated. It wasn't for me to interpret that. That's her journey. She interpreted it. She understood it. And she got what she needed Mm -hmm. at that moment in time to move forward with that understanding. So for me, the blessing, the bouquet, if you like, Mm -hmm. is knowing that by the end of it, that this had profoundly shifted her understanding of herself and realizing that she can continue to do that after, afterwards, that, that, you know, that that recording and, and that understanding now was with her and she can continue to access more information via that process. So in, in a way, you know, I've shown, look, the bike's there. You know how to ride it. <laughs> now, if you want to get really good at it, you continue riding the bike and you can find out more information, which is... To me, the blessing of all of it was that it it, it helped her reach a new point in her her understanding of herself. Absolutely. I I just see this, you know, profound jumping off point or springboard for which to understanding from a whole different perspective, a shift of focus, not a complete shift, because like you said, Kim herself, very intuitive. I think she has a proclivity for that. Even just talking to her uh, for a short time yesterday, I could I could hear that. But yeah, I love the analogy of the bike riding. If you keep practicing and you'll get better at it and you'll learn more tricks with the bike, too. So um Wow, that's 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 powerful. If it's for that reason alone, for really just understanding why we're here, what this is all about, uh, you know, it's no wonder I think so many people are looking in this direction. Maybe not necessarily looking for the ET connection, but to try to put their lives in a broader uh, context with previous uh, existences, etc. Well, you know, Kim. There was so much of your regression that yielded extraordinary insight into our possible, into our, I'm going to say, possible connection to non-human entities. Uh, But I want to talk about something that perhaps takes the cake for high strangeness, as you so Mm -hmm. aptly called some of your experiences. And this happened all throughout the actual taping of the regression. Mysterious sounds were somehow picked up, but not heard by you or Mary until the tape was played back. I could certainly hear it, too. So, you Uh know, I want us to take a listen. Let's take a listen for a little bit to some of these strange sounds. And this is actual footage from the regression. And then we're going to weigh in on this anomaly. So let's take a listen. I don't know if I'm hiding or they're hiding. They're so close. Can they give you a form for you to connect to? Can you ask them to give you a a kind of form so that you have a sense of them? flickering they flicker they they flicker 
Well, that makes for quite the mystery, doesn't it? (laughs) Talk about high strangeness. Um, And yet, if we try to break down what may be going on here, maybe we'll start to understand the mystery a little bit more. So I'd like each of you (laughs) to give me your thoughts on what you think these variety of sounds may be all about, whoever would like to chime in. Kim, you go first. Okay. You know, initially, I thought Mary had a clicker. And I thought she was operating some little mechanical device to get me to go deeper or something. When And this is not during the session. I heard none of this. Neither of us did. Uh, during the session, it was only after we watched the recording. But I emailed her and I said, were you using some kind of clicking device? Uh, I've revisited my own recording many times. And every time I listen to it, I hear something more. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears as though I'm being talk to. Mm-hmm. That's how it looked to me, uh, and I've watched the recording many times. Uh, at first, I just heard the clicking, and then I heard some of the little whoops and and kind of a heavy breathing mm-hmm. uh, throughout. Uh, it seemed to me as though I was being communicated with, and it seems to me that I had an understanding of that language, although... Mm-hmm. I had no conscious awareness of hearing anything um, during the session itself. But that's how it appears to me. Um, So I I still can't offer any definitive answer to what that was because I'm I'm only observing it and experiencing it through the recording itself. Right. You know what I'm saying? And neither one of you picked up on anything. There were no sound glitches during the recording itself because I'll tell you the truth from my perspective and by the way audience you only heard a small snippet of this you have to hear the whole thing because you will clearly hear what we're talking about it was overwhelming really and it, yes. some sometimes it seemed to me that it was coming from um from Mary's side by the way this was done via Skype uh, mm-hmm. with with Mary, of course, in Australia, <laughs> you at the time in Ohio. Um, and I was trying to discern. Uh, now, obviously, it couldn't have been brought up in the course of the session because you didn't hear it at that time. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was you, Mary, that emailed me and even brought this point up to me when you wanted me to take a look at this, take a listen, really. Really, really something. Okay, let me stop babbling here because I want to stay on this for a little while. This is really something. Mary, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, high strangeness is, goes with the territory in my life, <laughs> to be honest. I've had so many unusual things happen during regressions, including um, even some uh, weird music that's come on a tape recorder um, of somebody going into a spacecraft, and uh, we both heard it. We heard this strange music uh, that was for a few seconds and and that th- we still have no idea how it got on, got on, you know, got brought in 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 such an you know obvious way. What I I I I think was going on. First of all, some of the beings, particularly the manta beings, make clicking, mm. uh, tri- sometimes clicking, trilling sounds. Um, and I think um, when we're working multidimensionally, which is what we're doing when we, we, we tap into a lot of this information, is that those presences, those ones that have been supporting Kim all through her physical incarnation, I think they come and they're part of it. 
they are observing, they are supporting, and, and, and people will say, I feel energies in the room, or I'll feel presences in the room, and I know that that's what Kim was also feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think some of these intelligences that work with her on these other levels were probably there. And, and what's wonderful is they're making their presence known. It's sure, like, yeah. yes, we're here. And on some level, uh, you know, with, with Kim, perhaps, you know, she has a sense uh, of what that that might even be in terms of what they may be communicating if she she taps into that part of herself because she may have been one of those particular energies once though you know that that were there and that's how she communicated then there's so much we don't know i mean i'm i'm just looking you know i'm looking at different hypotheses here but i do know that the room is never empty when i am working with someone yeah. um either through skype which is is amazing that this all can happen. But you see, if we understand the quantum universe and that we're all connected and we live in this matrix of consciousness, there is no distance. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, we're, you know, I'm there energetically. I'm there I know, I, I, um, because I'm working with that co- her consciousness and my consciousness and we're all part of the consciousness. So in, the, in terms of quantum physics, there's no anomaly. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, when you look at it from the understanding of of what science is trying to understand now about the multidimensional nature of all of us, um, there is no separation. There is no such thing as uh, space or, or distance. I am energetically with her, even though I'm speaking through a bit of technology. And, and with that, we're being supported by many non-physical beings, whether you call them angels or you call them guides or you call them teachers or you call them ETs or whatever. I believe it's all in the mix. So, for me, they were making their presence known and they were saying, hi, we're here, we're supporting you and we're also letting you know that you're never alone. Mm. So for me, I just thought it was brilliant. I, you thought know? <laughs> it was, I thought it was as well. That now you can't, there is no movie and, and I don't care what accoutrements they put in it to, to freak you out. Not freak out, that's not the right word, but to really be compelling that we're not alone, that we're not absolutely not alone. I can't wait for everyone to listen to this. Well, you know, speaking of high strangeness, it goes on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about one of the elements uh, uh, to the set of strange experiences, each of these individuals, including Kim, uh, Kimberly, who I interviewed, as well as another young lady, uh, was the shadow being phenomenon. Uh, Kim, you and I spoke yesterday briefly about that. I don't know that you knew that term per se. My audience knows I've covered this subject in earnest um, and just recently did an interview, in fact, with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, parent, well-known paranormal researcher, as well as Sean Stone, uh, both adept in the field of paranormal phenomena. Uh, but this is an absolutely fascinating area of research for me, in part because it seems that the experiencers follow certain experiential patterns, including ET visits uh, and more. Let's talk about that a little bit. The shadow being connection. Uh, you know, Kim and I uh, uh, spoke yesterday and she revealed to me that she had something that I would describe as a shadow being visit. Let's let's go with Mary on this. What are your thoughts on, I know you're familiar with the phenomenon uh, of how this may link, correlate, uh, be be quite common with ET experiencers, the shadow being phenomenon. Well, what is, you know, when I talk about anyone who's had um, encounters where they see it as abductions, experiences or contact or whatever, what seems to be that the nature of the individual is that they are a lot more tapped into their multidimensional nature, which mm-hmm. means that they are tapping in 
to other intelligences, energies through the matrix, whether you call that dimensions, parallel universes or whatever. So, in fact, what we are, I believe, interacting with, whether we're aware of it or not, is um, those that are physical, non-physical, interdimensional, extra-dimensional, higher-dimensional beings, right through to maybe even time travelers and and Mm. whatever. So, these beings, unlike the jinn, which are slightly different to the shadow beings, I believe those are interdimensional beings. And some of them are, you know, it depends on, um, I think they... they, uh, it's really difficult when people say, well, are they good, They're, are they bad, or whatever. Mm. Um, I, I'm very wary of, of saying that something is good or bad because sometimes we, we are seeing through the lens of fear. Right. And it's really important that, that I say to individuals, because even with the beings, they may see you know, the little greys or the taller greys or the blue beings or whatever, and they will say, oh, but somebody said they were bad. Or Automatically, they're making a judgment from somebody else's experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that you have to trust your own resonance to what it is that you're experiencing because that is the most important thing in your experience to make your own, uh, have your own judgment on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the shadow beings are around. Lots of people see them, certainly when they see ETs or not. Some children see them and some of them feel they're okay. They just watch and they just observe and then they're not any kind of threat. Others feel that they are and that they, they feel very unhappy about seeing them or experiencing them or whatever. So for me, they're just another aspect of what we call our multidimensional mm. nature, that they are making their presence known. They're a different frequency. They're seen as a shadow because they're a different frequency to us, just as light beings are a different frequency and we mm. see them as light. So the judgment is, is the, the thing I have problem with because we, you know, mm-hmm. I, I often say if you're seeing something there, ask it why it's there. Hmm. You know, yes. and see what comes into your your feeling, your sensing, and your knowing. Find out. Dis, you know, talk to it, <laughs> um, and see what you get, what you feel, what you sense. Because it's it's like anything. You know, have somebody come to the front door. What is it in you? that with one person you'll invite them in for a cup of tea and for somebody else you think, I'm not letting you pass the door. (laughs) Um, Uh What is that? You already have a sense by just seeing that and sensing that person whether they're safe or not safe for you. And it's exactly the same with the non-physical world. We feel and we sense and we know once we learn to trust that. I think that is the most articulate uh, explanation of that and the best advice I've heard to date, I got to tell you, I think you're absolutely right. We do have this habit. Us humans are habituated toward sort of following what we, you know, the, you say a word, you know, what do you call that? The, the um, when somebody says a word and the first thing that comes to your mind, association, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you yes. think shadow, you say uh, evil or devil, evil, well, you know, um, but there are connotations that are associated with with these labels. And that's why I tend to loathe, not use or not like to use labels because they conjure up a certain sort of knee jerk reaction. So I think that's great. Ask them, what is it that you want? And particularly with the shadow being um, phenomenon that you're right. So many people have, I've talked to so many lay people off the street that have told me they've had these experiences. Um, they are, well, obviously they're very, very frightened. I forgot my point. I was about to make a really good point. But um, they, again, they're jumping to the conclusion that it's a bad thing. But ask them, what is it? Oh, I know what I was going to say. 
the really anomalous part of this is the sense of observation. They're in the doorway of your bedroom, not all the time, but a lot of the time. And they're simply looking at you. Well, what are you looking at? Ask them. Because, you know, in in most cases that I've heard, there's no uh, physical... Uh, well, I shouldn't say that there have been there's some some people have been accosted, actually, I have heard those cases, but I think that's the exception rather than the rule. But if they're observing, ask why? Maybe you'll get an answer, maybe you won't. But I think that's a great, I think that's great advice. Uh, would you like to share, Kim, your the experience you shared with me about your sort of shadow experience? We won't even call it a being, let's just call it a shadow that you said. you Okay. Saw. Um, well, uh, first of all, Mary, that was just, that just is the way it is. I completely agree. I, you know, I talked about judgment and I broke down in my session about judgment. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's exclusive to um, just humans. I think it's, I think it's all inclusive of every being that exists everywhere. Um, So I, I don't cast any judgment. I don't know why I don't go into fear. Um, I just don't go into fear when I see something that I don't know or understand. I just don't go into fear. I become an observer. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was doing a healing session with um, a very, very close relative uh, in my bedroom one afternoon, um, this very dark um, uh, form came out of the wall and hovered above the relative that I was working on. Uh, she didn't see it. I saw it very clearly. Um, but I just looked at it. It was observing. I didn't sense any anything bad, uh, and I don't think I would, uh, because I had no judgment of this thing. It was mm-hmm. dark. A lot of people say, oh, it was dark. It was, oh, it was a shadow being. You know those guys. Well, I don't. And I don't pass judgment upon what that is. It stayed for a while, it observed, and it just floated back into the wall. Uh, just last week, um, when I was sleeping, I opened my eyes for some reason. I don't know why I woke up. But there was a very large, uh, dark shadow of a person in my doorway of my bedroom. And I keep the door open, and uh, I understood immediately that it was a Native American woman. She was enormous. She was probably I don't know six foot tall, at, at least. Uh, she took up the whole doorway, and I just acknowledged her energetically. Um, I didn't sense any, and I don't. I don't ever sense any um, harm or or evil intent. I, I just don't. I just don't perceive that. So I I acknowledged her she was watching me sleep and I went back to sleep you know and that's all there was to it so um yeah I think many times we're too quick to judgment Mm -hmm. uh and as you say Alexis we're too quick to um adopt the the uh, beliefs of other people I just don't go there I like to observe and I have I you learn so much more when you observe. Here, here. And Love it. Yeah. that's when miracles happen, is when you just observe. That, you're open. You're just observing. And all of a sudden, something wonderful pops up that if you would have gone into fear, might not have happened. You know? 
So that's kind of how I look at it. I don't put a lot of stock into labels and judgments. So, uh, yeah, I've had some experiences with, um, with I suppose, beings that looked like they were in shadow. Yeah, that's a great way um, to put it. Instead of, yeah, see, okay. again, I think we get in into a little bit of trouble with, with our language and the associations with it. You know, you could, we could do a whole dissertation. I, I've certainly thought about it on how language shapes worldview and our own lives. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about, uh, I'll give you another one. We, we don't have time to bring it up, but Mary, I was hoping to talk a little bit about the star seeds it's another mm. label, but it is what it is. Sometimes it's necessary in order to define and shape a conversation around it, uh, whatever it is we're talking about. But then you talk about the crystal and the indigo and the star children and the rainbow. And I know even for me, I, I tend to try not to use those labels because they will conjure up an absolute, well, if you're this, you're, that means that. And I've always felt, even intuitively, that if we start to marry ourselves to labels too much, we'll inhibit the possibility of what they truly could be. So, yeah, I think that's a very important part of our evolution, really, is to, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if the introduction of language was really kind of a curse on humanity rather than a gift. <laughs> because in, in, in a sense, I'm kind of serious, because when, here's the common thread, bringing, bringing it back to the ET reality or whatever they may be, the non-human reality. What do we hear over and over and over again? They do not speak a language per se. In many cases, at least, it's a telepathic uh, communication particularly perhaps those that are at the higher realms have learned to, you know, not use or negate the, the, the need for a language. So I think that's a fascinating topic. Maybe we'll have that one next. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, the, I, think, I think the indigenous languages uh, were pictorial languages. Mm. They, they spoke in pictures. Yeah. Like I know that when I lived in Mexico, the, the Mayan people would tell me there's no word in the Mayan language for microwave. <laughs> but they call it a fire box because uh, there is a word for fire and there is a word for box. Yeah, um, and that's how I learned kind of some things about indigenous languages. But I think yeah. many of them are pictorial, so they don't have judgment attached to it. It right. is just this and this and this and this strung together to create a picture, so you can understand what the what the subject is. Yeah, I think that we can learn a lot from that. And then, of course, you hear about universal language, right? And that's one that I think is more of a feeling than a spoken word, a universal language. Well, you know what we hear the universal language is, ladies? We know what that is. Love, right? It's love. It's love. Here we go again. Back to the same. Well, listen, we're running out of time real quick. I knew this was going to happen. So where do we go from here? We've got a few minutes left. How can we learn and grow from experiences like Kim and wisdom like from Mary, uh, both of which so gracious to share their uh, their insights with us today. What's the next step, ladies, based on these ideas to our evolution as a human species, you think? That's just a little question. It's not a big question, right? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Kim? Well, you know, I am a seed planner, and that's my job here. Hmm. And um, she's not in the room right now, but... Uh, my next, uh, my my current um, uh, harvest <laughs> lies with my niece, my great niece. She lives mm. with me now, and so um, I am being a seed planner with her, and I'm planting seeds that she's never had in her, you know, her garden box before. Uh-huh. 
so uh, it's wonderful. It's and she lives with me, so I'm watching this this beautiful um, 20 year old girl um, make different choices now, um, and she's seeing the results of those different choices, and um, and that's kind of my job. Um, yeah, and I hope too that with the you know the regression, the tape recording, that and I, I I fervently hope that people are inspired by that in some way. I, think I hope will. everybody gets something from that that enriches their lives, yeah. and that's kind of why I'm here. You know, I'm just here to um, enrich people and and plant a few seeds along the way, and hope that they grow into a beautiful garden. And you know, that's that's I'm just staying on the same path that I've always been on. Yeah. Well. Um, I know, I know that this will be an inspiration to many. You certainly have been an inspiration to me. Um, and I love the, the fa- I have a feeling you planted quite a few seeds that will invariably grow into beautiful, beautiful trees of wisdom, trees of knowledge. So, Mary, you're a gem, of course, for spending some time with me yet again. And as I said, people just can't get enough of your great work. And I'm certainly one of them. Please let us know, for those who don't know, where they can find you. I know a lot of people can. Uh, where they can find you and what you're working on next. <laughs> well, just Google Mary Rodwell and my website, Asun, um will come up and you will find a lot of information there. I'm also involved in a, the, uh, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into mm. Extraterrestrial Encounters, which is bringing in a lot of academics and, and scientists, which is brilliant. Um, the other aspect of, of uh, this is me, uh, my second book, The New Human, oh, where wonderful. I'm talking about the children and the teenagers that um, remember and recall quite consciously their experiences with the um, different intelligences, the ETs, also recall past lives on other planets, and why they've come to help us as a species wake up to who we really are. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm in the process of writing now. I, you know, this had to be either a synchronicity or I had a little precognition because just before we dialed in, which by the way, audience, it took a little while to do. We're wondering if there was a little interference from our friends, but I thought, when is Mary coming out with another book? Because I know you have one, right? This will be your second? Yes. I'm so yes. happy to hear that. So I hope I can get the scoop on that one when it comes out. When do you think it'll be released? Oh, um, when God willing, it gives me a bit of a hand, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Well, we'll all send our energy your way on that, because I know everyone will be chomping at the bit to get their hands on that. That's great. And, you know, I also want to make mention, Mary, of uh, your wonderful questionnaire that you have available on your website. I should say questionnaires. There are several different sections. I had a chance to take a look today, and I'm sure one of the more popular uh, questionnaires that you invite people to, to take is uh, what you call indicators of alien abduction. Um, just a couple minutes left. Why don't you talk about that a little bit in that questionnaire? Well, the starseed one is the one that those don't have what they would call an abduction type, but more a sense they belong to these different beings from other planets. And it's feeling always different, wondering why you're here, having a sense of mission, finding the way things are on this planet very primitive. They're the, they're the overall ones of the new human, the, the star seeds. I mean, we're all star seeds, really. We're all, we all he- he- come from the stars. Um, but these are the more awake um, individuals that sense and feel they've come here with something to do. So, you know, if you feel like, well, you've ne- maybe never experienced that, that kind of um, more um, challenging 
um, connection to uh, your non-human uh, family. Um, with these, um, you may just get a sense that this is this is who you are. Mm. That you've come here with something to do. Fantastic. Well, of course, I urge everyone. Of course, we'll have a link uh, directly to the website, and perhaps I can put a link directly to the questionnaire right below this episode, so you can go and take 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 that and ask yourself a few serious questions. This is great. Well, what can I say? Mary Rodwell, always a pleasure. Kim Calkins, thank you so much for agreeing to do oh, this interview. It's been, my pleasure, honey. It's, thank you. It's been our, our pleasure to hear you. So thanks, ladies, and have a great day. There is no doubt that Kim clearly has the courage of her convictions, enough to explore the fantastic terrain of multidimensional reality that she's felt has been around her all of her life. Kim's regression with Mary Rodwell was, as she put it, a profound shift in the understanding about her life and what it all means. And for that, she is truly grateful. And I was certainly grateful to have both Kim and Mary share this amazing experience with all of us. If you haven't already, I encourage you to watch Kim's regression in its entirety at the link we've provided below. Thank you so much for tuning in to what is now called Higher Journeys Radio. Many of you know this show is Conscious Inquiry, but in the spirit of change, we thought it was time for a bit of a shift. So stay tuned for more frequent episodes and, of course, more great guests presented in association with our friends at Conscious Life News. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.